Last week, I, I continued in the series called The Least of These. We talked about God's heart for children. I told you a little story about my three-year-old. I appreciate all the feedback. Thank you. Some of it was encouraging. Some of it was in the line of, Chad, you need to be a better parent. That's okay. I receive it. I need to be a better parent. I'm working on it. So in case you didn't hear the story, this is how the story went. My daughter, she's three years old. She wouldn't obey. We gave her several warnings. She didn't obey. She chose not to. So we put her in a timeout. After a time in the timeout, I went over to her and I said, are you done with just bad attitude? Are you ready to come out of timeout? She said, yes, I'm done. And I said, would you like to say anything to dad? And I was laying the banquet table right there for her. I was giving her the opportunity to repent. Say, dad, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, dad. But that's not what she chose to say. I said, would you like to say anything? And she said, yes. I don't appreciate that you put me in timeout. Three years old. It's what you call a handful. I just thought I would recap that for you because yesterday we had another encounter I thought you might like. Out of nowhere, she's sitting there eating her little yogurt and she says, Dad, I say yes. Her name is Mayan. I say, yes, Mayan. Dad, can I raise my voice at you? That means speak loudly. I said, no, you may not. Why can you raise your voice at me? I said, well, it's because you disobey. If you listen to my soft voice, then you wouldn't have to hear my raised voice. But because you choose not to listen to my soft voice, I have to raise my voice in order for you to listen. Otherwise, you have to go through another timeout or something worse. And she says, okay. So if you don't listen to my soft voice, can I raise my voice at you? I thought, whew, honey, we are in big for this one. I'd love to get your comments online. What do you think about that story? How can I be a better parent? Somebody help me out here. Come on. Encourage me a little bit. She's our fourth one, right? So sometimes you feel like you're running out of steam. Encourage me a little bit. Tonight, we're going to continue in the least of these series. Tonight, I've entitled this Set Them Free. You know, Yeshua's connection with the least included relating with the outcast, the naked, the poor, the thirsty, the homeless, the hungry, the prisoner. He related to all of them because he had experienced a great deal of those same things on earth. Yeshua sees past people's weak moments and he sees them as a temporary presentation of who they were actually called to be in their God-created destiny. Yeshua elevates all of mankind we highlighted over the last few weeks, he elevates the value of women. He elevates the value of children. As a matter of fact, we closed last week with this encouragement that Yeshua encouraged us to grow to become like a little child. thought that was interesting. Grow to become like the little ones. He says in Matthew 18, verse 3, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Tonight, I want to continue in the least of these series and I want to talk about slavery because Yeshua elevated the slave. 
Yeshua elevates the slave way back in the Tanakh, long before he elevates them in the Bricha the Shah. And this is a hot topic right now, and I think it's very relevant to what we're going through, oppressed people groups. There are certainly oppressive governments around the world. Maybe you're watching from a country that's not necessarily free. Communist governments, socialist governments, dictatorships. There are countries with caste systems or religious militant governments where people don't necessarily get to live a free life. There are certainly minority groups in just about every country who are oppressed. There are conquered people groups who end up serving the victors. We know that from out history. And although slavery is predominantly illegal in the world today, there are still real life slaves in today's world. Human trafficking has become this big slave trade. People against their will. And slaves are often seen as the lowest people group in society. Even in the ancient world, it might have gone man, woman, child, servant, animal, slave. They were the lowest. They were the least of all of the least. They were looked down upon. In many societies, if there was a slave, they would be considered anything other than human. And slavery happens when there is a social stratification. I'll explain that word, I know it's big. But social stratification refers to a society's categorization of its people into groups based on socioeconomic factors like wealth, income, race, education, ethnicity, gender, occupation, social status, or derived power, whether social or political. Basically. What this means is that anytime a society assigns or tries to assign value systems to people differently, slavery will exist. Because once you try to put a value system, somebody's going to be less than, and now you can look down upon them. And once you're allowed to look down upon them, they can be your slaves. They need to serve whoever's assumed to be the higher value. So social stratification will often lead to slavery. A system of different values of people. Slavery was widespread in the ancient world and it was found in almost every ancient civilization, including the Roman Empire as we speed into the first century during Yeshua's earthly ministry. As a matter of fact, the history of slavery is described in Hammurabi's Code as far back in Mesopotamia as 3,500 years before the Messiah. It's already being described. You know, slavery is a human problem. It's not a problem of one people or one nation. It's a human problem. It's a sin outworking. It is selfishness at one of its highest levels. It is self-centeredness, which is the opposite of the gospel, at the highest level. I am better than you, is what it says. The opposite of the gospel. Slaves were certainly the least of these, and, and we get a history, or at least a few snapshots, of what slavery was like 
and verses on slavery, both in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, and the Brichadashah, the New Testament. In the Tanakh, a slave, in the Hebrew, evet, in the plural of adim, slavery, the noun, avdut. In the Greek, if you want to get into the New Testament writings, doulos. These are the root words. You can go study them at a word study, maybe in your community group. And you say, is slavery mentioned in the Bible? Is it like a big topic? Well, the word slave is mentioned 95 times in the Bible. The first mention is in Genesis chapter 9. That's how far back it's being mentioned. I can change the word slave into slaves, making it plural. The word slaves, plural, is mentioned 86 additional times. Earliest reference in the Bible goes back to the same chapter, Genesis chapter 9. What about the word slavery? Mentioned 22 times. The earliest reference is Exodus chapter 2. Let me give you our key phrase for the night. Just because something is mentioned in the Bible does not mean the Bible condones the practice. There's a lot of uneducated people in the world who are looking for a reason not to believe in Yeshua. They're looking for a reason not to submit to the creator, to push aside all of the, the real facts and to come up with some made-up system of stories about how this world came into being and why it has such great order. You say, well, the world doesn't have great order. Well, certainly humanity doesn't have great order because we have sinned and we brought chaos upon ourselves. But look at the creative order. How the earth spins and the moon orbits. We all revolve around the sun and how this is one solar system in a galaxy and there's millions of galaxies and they all kind of stay in their place doing their thing. How if this planet rose or fell in temperature just slightly, it wouldn't work. People don't want to give in to those facts. They want to make up something new. And one of the things they do about the Bible to discredit the Bible is they want to look at things the Bible mentions as if the Bible supports it. Well, the Bible mentions divorce, but it doesn't support that. The Bible mentions adultery, it doesn't support that. The Bible mentions violence, and it doesn't support that. And yes, the Bible mentions slavery, and it does not support that. I'm going to prove that to you tonight. And the reason I want to do that is because we're in the series, The Least of These. I want to show you what the ancient world, and even the Middle Ages, and then onto the modern world is like, so that Yeshua could elevate it, and he can say, that is not how I built it. You're doing it wrong. You're hurting people. You're doing the opposite of my kingdom. God prophesied that the Israelites, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, would become slaves themselves. That doesn't mean he condones that. But he did prophesy that it was going to happen. Genesis chapter 15, verse 12. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep, and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, Know for certain that for 400 years your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own and that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterwards they will come out with great possessions. You can kind of see early on what God thinks about slavery. 
I'm going to punish the ones who enslaved you, and I'm going to let you come out of slavery with great possessions. That's what God thinks about it. We see other examples in the Bible, of course, of our people taken captive, becoming slaves. God's protective hand was removed because of a sinful pattern, and other nations came in, took over militarily, took them out of our country into other lands. They became slaves and servants. We think of various stories in the exile, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. We think of Isaiah. We think of Esther, Mordecai. There's a lot of people who were involved in that over time. We think of other slaves like Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his own brothers, which is also against the law of God. So it exists in the Bible. But I want to give you God's perspective on slavery as he elevates the slave. First, God created people free. How do we know that? Because God gave them a free will. God could have created slaves, but he didn't. He created every one of his children from Adam on as free people with free will to allow them to choose their path of destiny, to allow them to choose a love relationship with their creator. Giving them free will is the greatest evidence we need that man was created free. The Bible reveals that while God acknowledges that slavery exists, he is not content with it and he will not accept it. He must deal with slavery. Why? Because a slave doesn't have the freedom to choose to live a life for God the way he desires. A slave cannot pursue his God-given destiny. Let's get into a couple of scriptures tonight. If you're turning your Bible, let's turn to Exodus chapter 21. This particular chapter has a lot to say about slavery. Go ahead and turn there to Exodus 21. Let's look at verse two. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he is to serve you for six years, but in the seventh year, he shall go free without paying anything. Some of your versions might say servant or slave. It's coming from the same root of that word in the ancient Hebrew. God instituted the seventh year release of the slaves. God didn't want them to stay in that temporary presentational situation. God said, okay, I recognize that it exists, but let's do everything we can to make it not exist. Let's set these people free. I'm gonna even put laws in my Torah that says let them go free. That's what I think about it. People today wanna pretend that they can't follow the Lord because of the history of slavery in the Bible. And it's, it's, it's just a, a grossly misconstrued interpretation of God's heart. It is God is the one who invented the release of slaves. Where else in history do you find that? Exodus 21, he's already talking about release the slaves, release the slaves as a commandment. 
God introduces this idea. Then he introduces another idea that he calls redeeming the slaves. Same chapter, Exodus 21, verse 7. If a man sells his daughter as a servant, which hopefully he won't do, but if he does, she is not to go free as a male servant's do. If she does not please the master who has selected her for himself, he must let her be redeemed. He has no right to sell her to foreigners because he has broken faith with her. You see what God's trying to do? God is trying to say, okay, I recognize another bad situation. I recognize that my people are involving themselves in unholy situations. So if this happens, give somebody a chance to redeem her so that she can do what? She can go free. So now we've got the full release of the slave. We have the redemption of the slave. We have the punishment of the people who do the enslaving. And we have the promise that the slave will come out with great possessions. This is God's heart on slavery. Deuteronomy 15 takes the heart of God to free a slave even further. Turn in the text to Deuteronomy 15, verse 12. If any of your people, Hebrew men or women, sell themselves to you and serve you for six years, in the seventh year, you must let them go free. And when you release them, do not send them away empty-handed. Supply them liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your wine press. Give to them as the Lord your God has blessed you. So not only does he command a release and a redemption of the slave, he commands that you send them off well taken care of. That doesn't sound like the slavery of today. So can we just make a statement for a moment? Some of the things going around right now in today's modern culture about slavery, those definitions do not necessarily add up to what we see in the Bible. Notice in this particular verse, it said, if a Hebrew sells himself, you're like who in their right mind would sell themselves to be a slave? Depends on how desperate you are. Depends on how poor and hungry you are. You know, it wasn't like today. You didn't, you didn't go on Google and LinkedIn and be like, hey, I need a job. Let me just put out my resume and find a job. If you were desperate enough the only way for you to get food and income or to a house or a roof over your head or any kind of future would be to sell yourself as a slave. That's all you could do. There was no other jobs out there in the rural society. And unfortunately, some people took that option. Was it God's will? No. It's not what he wants for them. He has a better destiny than that. But sometimes it happened. And even when it happened, God said, when their time is done, you release them with great blessing. As a matter of fact, I'm going to go one step deeper. I was going to bring this out next week in part two of slavery and servanthood. What's the difference? That's next week. Exodus chapter 21, verse 16. It's not in the notes. It just came to my spirit. Exodus 21, 16. It's a verse... That says, if you kidnap someone and take them against their will to become your slaves, you're to be put to death. 
That's what God thinks of slavery. What I read you right here from verse 12 was a slave who voluntarily became a slave. You release them with great blessing. But if you capture somebody against their will and you kidnap them, that is a capital punishment of death. So never again, never again should there ever be an argument about what God thinks about slavery. The argument's over. We got it. He's been crystal clear. And just because it's written in the Bible doesn't mean he supports it. And he's doing in his law everything to get us out of it. Because it's not how he created us. He created us free with a free will to love him. Back in Deuteronomy 15, verse 18. Do not consider it a hardship to set your servants free because their service to you these six years has been worth twice as much as that of a hired hand. And the Lord your God will bless you and everything you do if you release the slaves and the servants with a blessing. God will bless you. Isn't it interesting that God actually gives incentives here with blessing you if you do this right? He gives incentives for setting your slaves free and getting them onto a good way of life. He doesn't want you to set the slave free and now they're homeless again. That was what we're trying to get out of. But you set them free with a blessing. Put them in a good position. God has strict laws on how slaves should be treated. And you say, well, if, if God didn't want us to have slavery, then why did he give us any laws about how to treat slaves? Because he saw what man was doing. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 35. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and are unable to support themselves among you, help them as you would a foreigner or a stranger so that they can continue to live among you. Did you catch it? God doesn't want slavery at all. He says, if you see somebody headed down that road where they're about to, they're so poor, they're so desperate, they're so destitute, they're so hungry, that they're about to sell themselves into slavery, stop them. And you give to them. And you help them get back on their feet. Because my will is that they never go into slavery. There it is. There's the heart of God. There should be no question. Stop them before they get there. Same chapter, verse 39 and 40. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. They are to work for you until the year of Jubilee. You see him elevating? He's like, okay, if you have to do this, don't leave them at the slave level. Get them up, at least to a hired worker. And then let's not even leave them at a hired worker. Let's release them. You know, let's not just release them. Let's redeem them. Let's not just redeem them. Let's bless them so that when they go, their life is better when this whole thing started. That's God's heart for oppressed people. And I don't care if someone sold themselves into slavery, someone was captured into slavery, if someone found themselves desperate, it was a conquered people, 
God's giving you a long list, you and I, a long list of get them out of that position because that's not how I created them. The least of these. Look how God has even elevated the hired worker and the temporary resident. Now we have to honor these people. You know, it's hard to actually live in Israel under God's law and not be honored. It's like you can't do it. You're like, what what if I'm a foreigner? Nope, you get blessed. What if I'm just passing through? Nope, you also get blessed. What if I'm a temporary resident? Great blessing, honor and respect. What if I'm a hired worker? Nope, you too get treated well. What if I'm a slave? Nope, you're a slave, you're gonna get huge blessing. You're actually gonna leave your slavery and you're gonna make a new life for yourself and it's gonna be blessed by God. What if I'm an animal? Nope, treat him with respect. Honor, honor the creation. What if I'm a child? Nope, children are elevated too. As a matter of fact, children are so elevated, we should all grow to become like them. Well, what about the ladies? Nope. Highest value in God's kingdom. When God decided to come to earth, came to a woman. You can't live in God's kingdom without being honored. And somehow that's been missed in the gospel. And we've got to get back to preaching the right gospel of Yeshua. You come into this kingdom, you are honored. King of kings, you come into this house, you will be honored in this house. We don't care what happened in your past. Because you know what? Whatever you were a slave to in your past, God saw it. God paid a price to redeem you. He set you free in his jubilee. He prepared a blessing for you. And he is now pushing you forward onto your created destiny path. Doesn't matter what you used to be a slave to. You will end up blessed in God's kingdom. This is the heart of God. Why wouldn't you want to serve a God like that? You know, if you preach the gospel right, people will. A God who sets us free. I'll make one more Point before we summarize tonight. In Jeremiah chapter 34, it's a, it's a good one to study as well. Israel was being attacked. And when Israel was being attacked, King Zedekiah, king at the time, he realized that keeping people enslaved was a problem in the middle of war. Right? Because the slave could turn on you. And so he proclaimed that because of the war, they would release all slaves. All slaves were free. Well, all slaves should have already been free, first of all, because they broke the commandments of God in enslaving them and then not setting them free already. But he kept them slaves. And so when the war breaks out, he says, we set all of the slaves free. Everybody's free. And then Jeremiah receives this word of judgment on Israel and the king because when the war was over, Zedekiah changed the law again and said, all right, you're allowed to have the slaves again. He said, wait, 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 I was just free. How can you tell someone who was free 10 seconds ago they're not free now? 
They didn't do anything in those 10 seconds to become a slave. But King Zedekiah said, nope, you can go get your slaves back. And all of a sudden, there's this big rush toward capturing people against their will, which was clearly described in the word of God as punishable by death. And Jeremiah gets a word from the Lord to prophesy to the king. Jeremiah 34, our final verse tonight. Verse 16 and 17. But now you have turned around and you have profaned my name. Each of you has taken back the male and the female slaves that you had set free to go where they wished. You have forced them to become your slaves again. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. You have not obeyed me. You have not proclaimed freedom to your own people. So I now proclaim freedom for you, declares the Lord. Freedom to fall by the sword. Freedom for the plague. Freedom for famine. And I will make you abhorrent to all the kingdoms of the earth. That's what happens when you try to enslave people again. Isn't this what Satan does? Opposite of God's kingdom and his word is going to be Satan and his lies. It's always the opposite. It's the polar opposite. Satan is trying to enslave everyone. And even when you have a moment of freedom, what is he trying to do? He's trying to enslave you again. And the whole time God is saying, nope, I created you free. You have a created destiny. You are to live free. Love me from your heart's desire. I saw you in your slavery. I redeemed you from it. I healed you from it. I'm heaping what the Bible talks about, lavish love on you. And he's setting us free through the blood of Yeshua the Messiah. For what purpose? To go live the way we were created to live. That's why we know from God's word, it should never be argued again what God thinks about slavery. And remember, all of this is happening in the cultural context where no one else, no other nation is giving slaves any kind of freedom or honor or respect or blessing or setting them free or giving them possessions. Israel stood out because of this, or at least they were supposed to. Slavery existed in almost every culture it's mentioned in the Bible many times, but God does not condone it, nor will he put up with it. God puts holy regulations to try to get rid of slavery in the Bible. He does this for many other topics as well, where he might mention it. He might mention it in his laws, but he's mentioning it to get us away from it. God elevates the slave by giving commands that treats them well, even while they're still slaves, but to set them free as soon as possible, to redeem them and to bless them as they go. Slavery robs people of their God-created destiny, and we were all created free to serve and love God. Satan is the one trying to tell you you weren't. That's why Satan's tactic is to enslave. It's to what the Bible says in the New Testament puts you in a scheme, a circular loop where you will be tempted, 
you will fall, you will feel guilty, you will feel bad about feeling guilty, and you will run to something that makes you feel good right back into the slavery. And it's a circular scheme. The enemy wants to enslave everyone. And here's God, the creator of all things, saying, no, I created you free. I created you so free, I've made you princes and princesses in my kingdom. I've created a kingdom so that you might rule it. Here are the keys. I went to the cross and I got the keys of hell and death to give to you. Take them and rule my kingdom with me. If you're in the house tonight or maybe watching online and you don't know Yeshua as your savior, your redeemer, the one who took you out of slavery, I want you to bow your heads with all of us as we pray. Perhaps this will be a new day for you that you don't have to live as a slave any longer because that's not how you were created. Believers in the house, would you intercede with me? If you've never allowed Yeshua to be the Lord of your life, to be your king, I want to pray over you right now. Yeshua, would you reveal yourself to our friends? Show them that you are the great redeemer. You build a kingdom where no one is enslaved and everyone's valued and honored and elevated. That every nation, race, ethnicity, language we find in the book of Revelation shows up in heaven worshiping. In heaven, there are no oppressed people. And so, Father, we ask you to bring your kingdom down on earth. For those that have never seen this kind of freedom from sin, from bondage, from habits, from addictions. We ask that they would turn to you now and they would say this. They would say, Yeshua, I want to stop living life on my own. I'm a slave. Would you please come and save me today? I want you and I call on you to be my redeemer. Would you forgive me of my sin? Set me free. And from now on, I will follow you in your kingdom. Holy Spirit, give people courage to say that prayer today in Yeshua's name. Amen. If that's a prayer you prayed for the first time, I want you to come find one of our leaders after service. We want to tell you what to do next. Online, if you said that prayer for the first time, I want you to put a chat in the chat field in a way we can get in touch with you because we want to continue to help you on your journey. But tonight... There's a celebration because we are free. Are you happy about being free people? Would you stand to your feet so we can thank the Lord that we are free now as we say thank you to the Lord in worship and we celebrate him because he alone can set us free. Let's do this together.